Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that is stacked with queer icons. Today we have Zoe, Jules, and Cullen. Today we're going to be talking about queer spaces, what their history is like, what the fuck happened to all the lesbian bars, um, <laughs> other questions you might be dying to know, like why is it important for queer people to have affirming spaces, and you're going to find that all out. So joining us today with her expertise as a fellow <laughs> queer icon is Arielle. Hi, my name is Arielle. (laughs) Yeah, Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Arielle. I am currently in grad school, currently a lesbian. (laughs) So I think I'm more than qualified to talk about queer spaces (laughs) as a queer who takes up space. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, Arielle and I are in the same grad program. Arielle is the first person that I met in our um, dual program. Love that. And the last. She quit as soon as she met me. I found it, and it's this. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So before we get into more of the specifics, I thought we could just all kind of talk about our experiences with being in queer spaces, good or bad. Um, but Arielle, do you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. So um, actually, my first experience in a queer space is in a lesbian bar was was in a lesbian bar that has since closed. Mm. Um, It was called Lipstick Lounge uh, downriver from Detroit. Um, Mm. And it was honestly a beautiful um, little gross, dirty bar. I saw (laughs) a drag king there. They had drag king shows regularly, which I mean, where can you get a good drag king show around here anymore? You absolutely cannot. It's a (laughs) crime. and I feel like it was like a very near and dear place to my heart. Um, there is not a huge like queer bar scene in Detroit. So it was like a really cute little rinky dink place. Um, and I love it very much. And now I live in Chicago and there is many a gay man bar that you can <laughs> frequent if you are so interested. But there are no lesbian bars in Chicago, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The nearest one, I think, is in Milwaukee. So. Mm-hmm. I was going to say we can go on a road trip, but I was like, no, we can't because then someone has to drive drunk. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> we can have like a road trip to a bar. Well, I mean, we could like stay in Milwaukee. I, I hear there's like things to do. There's a Harley Davidson Museum in Milwaukee. Oh, there this you is go. Now a Milwaukee tourism podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, to what Ariel said, though, this past weekend we went to a karaoke bar together in Boys Town, which aptly named is like the gay neighborhood of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when we walked in, there were like four, four of us, five of us, um, that were none of us were cis men, but every other single person in this karaoke bar, and there were many, um, yes. was a cis They've- man. They actually recently changed the name of like the gay neighborhood in Chicago from Boys Town to North Halstead to like try to be more inclusive of like uh, queer women. But there's like or like anyone it was not like a boy or whatever with a Y, not with an I. It's, it was Boys Town with a Y. I feel like that's an important distinction. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I hear people make fun of it and they call it like, oh, they're like, oh, they changed Boys Town to like they them's town now. But I'm like. That's the exact sentiment of Boys Town. So. There's no they them's to be seen either. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not like the Five Guys thing where it's like they're making the Five Guys become five non-binaries. Um, anyway. Uh, well, I guess I can talk a little bit about my experience with like the whole are bisexuals welcome in queer spaces debate. Um, before I came out as non-binary for a long time, I was a bisexual woman, in quotes. And I spent a lot of time feeling like I was not welcome in a lot of like the gay bars in New York that I was going to, um, which I think looking back on it, like, genuinely a lot of that was just internalized like me feeling like I did not belong rather Mm. than like anyone being mean to me but I think especially like coming out as non-binary becoming more visibly queer like I've also realized that there's a lot of spaces I think in general but also in New York which is like 
viewed as this really queer city that are very catered towards like cis white gay men specifically Mm -hmm. um and aren't super welcoming to other people um especially if you don't sort of fit into like that those like beauty standards um so I think it's like a combination of realizing that like there is no one queer community and like I can have queer friends and no one is stopping me from that. (laughs) And I do, but like, also there are reasons why certain spaces might feel more welcoming to me as a Latinx non-binary person, as opposed to like spaces that are a little bit more cis gay men focused. Um, I think also just like, I didn't necessarily experience these as queer spaces because they weren't necessarily physical spaces. But I think looking back on like, especially my high school experience because I wasn't out, but also my college experience, like most of my close friends have been queer or trans to some degree of outness at the time that we became friends. But like, it's been kind of a nice process over the last several years of like all of us sort of coming into our identities more and then being like oh like my best friend from high school is also non-binary like neither of us knew it when we met but like I think look like being able to look back on that and see how those were queer spaces in a sense at least in like feeling even if we weren't explicitly like we are queer and this is our space um is like a way that I like to think about spaces that I've inhabited where it's just like we are queer and we happen to be here um, to the point where like now best friend and I will like go to this bar and we're like, this is a trans bar now. Cause we're here. I'm like <laughs> no one else here is trans. That's fine. Um, and it's just like, because we're hanging out here and bring our friends here, that makes it a trans space. So that's like more the vibe that I'm trying to lean into now because there are so few like actual businesses that are solely spaces for queer people to hang out. Yeah. I, I really like resonate with a lot of what you're saying, Jules. I definitely like have come to learn that a lot of the people I hung out with in like high school are now like out as queer people. Um, and it was like, we just sort of gravitated towards each other kind of unknowingly. Uh, we found love in a hopeless place as one might say. Um, it's very funny. One of my best friends from high school, who I was also like in love with, but didn't realize it at the time now lives in New York. And she and I literally tomorrow night or when this comes out, it won't be tomorrow, but tomorrow when we're recording it, are going to dinner with this um, wonderful friend of the pod that I also used to date and her current girlfriend who also lives basically next door to the girl that I was in love with in high school. I loved piecing together that I know who all of those people are. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, which one? Okay, got it. <laughs> But it's just like the gayest thing. Like I saw, I sent my friend this like um, Instagram post I saw today that was like when a group of lesbian, when you ask a group of like a lesbian group of friends how they know each other and the answer is we're all ex-girlfriends. And I was like, this isn't quite right for us, but it the vibe is right for, what, for our dinner tomorrow. Um, so I feel like, you know, a big part of queer spaces is not just these institutions. Like I love lesbian bars. Like I... I live in New York and I'm lucky enough to have like multiple lesbian bars. Cubbyhole is my favorite. Like, but you know, I just went to Henrietta Hudson last week. Like I'll talk more about that later perhaps. Um, And it's very nice to have those spaces, but it's also really nice to create your own queer spaces. And like, for me, season of the bitch has been super important in that. And like, that is in a lot of ways, a digital space in that we don't all live in the same place, but it has been, super affirming and I think super important to like my conceptualization of myself as a queer person to have this like community that is so intentionally not straight um that we've built over the last you know like almost five years um and so just like that has been super important to me as well I think yeah, I definitely agree with that. I was thinking about um, on our Discord plug, um, run through our Patreon, but um, 
My friend gives us money on Patreon. He's a cis man. He's recently came out as bi, but um, he was telling me because almost the majority of people in our Discord are like non-binary and trans people and queer people. And he was like, oh, sometimes I just like like to look because it's like such a nice affirming space, but I just like don't feel like it's for me. And I was like, I love that. I love that as a cis man, you feel a little unwelcome. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um. that like just to just expand slightly, like I have realized increasingly that and it's like why should it have taken me this long to realize that like I just feel so much more comfortable with queer people than straight people like in general and like um as somebody who I'm I'm bi I'm as a general rule much more interested in women and non-binary people than men but I did spend a like significant portion of my 20s in a relationship with a straight man and like I didn't realize how taxing that was until I got out of the relationship and was just like, oh my God, like I feel so much freer being around people who see the world more closely to the way that I do, which I think is, is something about, especially specifically queerness, like, and we're, we are talking a little bit about like spaces that are for like, especially white cis gay men. And some of those people are like, gay but I'm like are you do you really identify as queer like are you a Mm -hmm. queer person you know what I mean and like even just like whether it's been whether it's like dating people who aren't men or like right now I'm in a relationship with a man who is also queer spend a lot of time at his apartment he lives with another friend of ours who's non-binary and it's just like such an affirming space and I was like I didn't know that I could feel this way around a man but like you know what shout out to some gay non-binary men you're not all bad but some of you a lot of you are still on notice especially the ones that are hostile when we come to your bars yes well and that is what I wanted to talk about next so a few years ago I went to well no I didn't go to I tried to go to a gay bar with it was me I I know I was with two friends that are cis gay men and I think there was one other person who was non-binary, but I honestly can't remember if they were there that night, but this was our, like, typical kind of, like, going out crew. Um, But we get up to this gay bar to the door, and they're, like, checking IDs and whatever, and they're, like, you can't come in. And I was, like, what? Um, And they were, like, you're not a man. And I was, like, well, first of all, you don't know that. (laughs) But I was, like, I mean, I'm not, but you don't know that. Um, But then they were, like, they were, like, being sassy with me. They were, like, go to a lesbian bar. And I was, like, I would love for you to tell me where one was. What where yeah. one is like? I would love to. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I just would not let me in. This? Oh, I was traveling. Um, it was in Berlin. Oh, okay, word. Yeah. Oh, just just when you were traveling. Just, just when I was traveling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> casual. I actually that's like what inspired my research. I was yeah. like, there is like there are like three bars within walking distance of my house where gay men can go and like have sex in public. And like, that is like the whole purpose of the bar or like the, you know, the space is for like gay men to like go and like, just fuck, not let alone like dance bars. And if we can't, you know what I mean? Like those specific bars. And I'm like, there isn't a lesbian bar at all in Chicago. There isn't like a space for queer women anywhere in the world, like to go out and like fuck in public the way like gay men can do. And I'm like, I want to get plowed by a stranger in a bar one day. Like that's fair, (laughs) excuse me. Also, I can hard relate to the, um, dating a man like it happens to the best of us like sometimes you just find yourself in a situation where you're in like a long-term relationship with a man and that doesn't you know that doesn't it's not something to be ashamed of (laughs) (laughs) no I'm very I'm very thank you so much I think we all needed to hear that that's it is good I I know I also dated like a queer man and I remember I like have you know that kind of like Jules what you were talking about where you're like in a queer space and you're like I hope everybody knows that like I'm not an ally. Like, I hope everyone knows I'm not an ally. Like, for, like, and we would be like, we'd be like, okay, now, like, we'd stop holding hands. Like, then be like, we have to, like, act gay, which is ridiculous because both of us, like, look super fucking gay. But, like, mm. we were together with each other. And, like, we, I just remember, like, consciously being like, we're in a gay bar. We need to, like, look gay. Like, yeah. don't, don't hold my hand. Like, we're gay. We're gay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
was recently walking. I took a walk with my partner and another one of my friends, another friend of the pod who is um, non-binary and they, they're like, they're femme. They have a husband, like they're married. And um, we were talking about like the, like I'm a, I'm a big, I love pride month. I like go fucking crazy during pride month. Um, and my friend was like, oh my gosh, we should do something for pride month. And I was like, yeah, I had never ever conceptualized like doing something with my, like, as like a cis ish woman doing something with like my male partner for pride month. I was kind of like, okay, it's June 1st. Like, see you August 1st. Like maybe we'll talk sometime this week or this month. I don't know. But I was like, oh, that could be kind of cute. Like, uh, you know, us like four bisexual people, like having a little party of some kind where we're like, you might not know it, but we're all gay. <laughs> um, but cause, cause my, my friend's partner is also non-binary or um, also bi- uh, bisexual. And so there's just a lot of gay going on there, but it's also like, there's something very real. And like, this is something that I, I've talked to my friend about, about like being perceived as like, like they wore a wedding dress, like being perceived as like being in a straight couple um, and like self-excluding from spaces where it's like, no, these are still like your people, you know? Um, especially when it's like two queer people in a relationship that just like other people might perceive as straight. The other thing I just wanted to mention because it was fun is near where I went to undergrad, um, there was a lesbian bar. And because I was in a gender studies program, like more than one time I ran into professors there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was like the only lesbian bar where we were. Um, (laughs) But I feel like they would honestly just be pretty chill about it. Like they would kind of be excited, but like we had to, you know, act, you know, it wasn't like inappropriate, but it would just be like, oh yeah, of course, all of the queer women are here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a, Beth, uh, my partner went to um, London and she went to like the uh, like queer area, wherever, whatever, went to this bar. And it was like the first time, like she told me about it. It was the first time she's experienced a bar with like a ratio that was like for women to be like, they wouldn't let men in. Like if you were a man that was trying to enter into the bar, it was like a lesbian bar. You had to have at least two women with you. And she was like, it was like the first time I've ever been to a bar with like a ratio that wasn't like commodifying women. It was like, Mm -hmm. no, we are like serving like queer women and not men, like specifically. It was so funny just to, I feel like we're just riffing now. I hope that's okay. Um, I was at Cubby Hole with, I think Jules, was this when we went there with with Jules and Bianca oh, where there Bianca. was that couple of guys? Maybe this was when I was there with you. I'm trying I to remember don't know. what time this was. I can't, when we but, went there, someone gave us free pizza. That was awesome. I think that was unrelated. Um, <laughs> there was a time that I was at Covey Hole, and there were these two guys who had kind of like lax bro vibes who came. And Covey Hole's a lesbian bar, but like people of all genders are definitely welcome there. Um, and I didn't want to, but they had like very, very like lax bro vibes. And I didn't want to be like, you don't belong here. But I was kind of like, do you, do you know where you are? And it was like, it was um, like their outdoor seating. We were all sitting outside and I heard one of them get a phone call and he picked up and he's like, yo man. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the West village. Uh, We just like stumbled into this bar. It's like a pretty chill place. Uh, Let me check what it's called. Okay. It's called, it's called cubby hole. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of, it's got kind of like cute vibes. There's, there's a lot of chicks here. And I was just like, Oh no, (laughs) these men have no idea where they are. But at the same time, it's still like a very, it was a welcoming enough environment that nobody was like, nobody was like, everybody was like, well, we, you know, we don't know their story. They might, they might like, you know, just be very lax bro looking queer people, but they were I hope they were lovers. Oh, okay. No, they were very (laughs) clearly friends who were like talking to their third friend and trying to get their third dude friend to come to Cubby Hole. And I was like, oh, this is not your place. Uh, Yeah, well, with that, um, I know you mentioned it a little, but Ariel was going to ask more about um, the research you did about queer spaces, what the history looks like, and more about why there are not that many lesbian bars anymore. Absolutely. And I think like... um, the fact that you brought up Cubbyhole in their like statement, like there that it's like a lesbian owned bar that's like inclusive, um, is 
actually one of, I've like narrowed it down <laughs> to like three big reasons why there are no like lesbian owned and like spaces for queer women, you know, that are readily accessible. And it's um, identity was one of like the issues because lesbianism has like historically been like a very political identity and basically like TERFs fucking destroyed lesbian bars, like trying to create like women's only spaces mm. that are like exclusive of trans people Mm. it takes a business model that's like not all that sound to begin with where you're targeting two percent of like the population right if you're targeting like queer femme people and then you're chopping up that small percentage it's like you're not going to be able to like that's not sustainable and if i mean it's shown like if you make people choose between like being in a space with like other lesbians and being in a space that's like inclusive and accepting of people in the community, they're going to choose to not be in that space. Like if you're like, they're going to want to be in a space that is inclusive. And I think that's like really interesting. Cause um, so like in my research, not to get too much, like the lesbian bar project over here, but like, no, we're here um, for it. <laughs> no, this do. is the lesbian bar project. <laughs> okay. um, so they're in like the nineties, like there were like 200 documented, like owned by lesbians for queer women bars in the United States in 2019 or well in 2016 there were 19 bars that were queer women owned for queer women and now after the pandemic there are 16 bars Mm. that exist and Henrietta Hudson and Cubbyhole are one of them all of the bars that exist now still to this day have statements of include like inclusivity on their website like I think Mm. it's Henrietta Hudson I can look in my thing to fact check myself but like it's Henrietta Hudson it's like we are a bar for queer people owned by lesbians mm-hmm. they don't call themselves a lesbian bar anymore so besides identity um the other major like thing that mm-hmm. is like causing like the death of lesbian bars in our country is basically inflation like historically women haven't been allowed to own businesses for as long as men have and when we're talking about like nightlife and bars specifically like women weren't allowed to like serve alcohol in the US until legally until like the 70s. There were things called like barmaid laws and you couldn't be like a woman who was serving alcohol in, at an establishment that wasn't owned by either your father or your husband. Like oh my God. If the bar was owned by your father or your husband, you could be a barmaid. Uh, and if not, you were not, it was not legal to serve alcohol until the 70s. Um, was that so in all states, all 50 states? That's like the national. So like it, oh, it wow. went, it actually like bar laws change city by city. So I have, I, my research, I'm based in Chicago, right? So my research is in Chicago. So the barmaid laws for Chicago, like women could start serving alcohol in 1971, but nationally, like it didn't end until like the end of the seventies, like wow. women were allowed to serve alcohol. Um, and then, uh, so besides just like serving alcohol, like owning businesses, like women couldn't be like the sole owner of a business like everywhere nationally until guess what year you guys try to guess what year guess what year also if you don't like me saying guys I can say something else I know this is a leftist feminist podcast but now I feel like I'm saying guys like a hundred thousand fucking times <laughs> folks how about folks with an x how about <laughs> no but guess when guess when women got the um, right to be like sole owners on a small business loan to be the sole signature on a small business loan? I feel like it must be after they got the right to serve alcohol, right? I can give you a hint. I'm going to say 1985. Okay, that's a great guess. Um, Here's a a fun hint. Martha Stewart was uh, the person who campaigned this law into existence. She was like the face of this campaign. Wow. (laughs) Um, that's shocking yeah isn't that absolutely bonkers i'm gonna i'm gonna say it it's 1988 wow wow okay i oh, was thinking okay. 80s but i was thinking probably i was thinking earlier 80s this yep. really puts the rise of the modern rise of the girl boss into perspective yes i know she didn't have a chance to shine she could only be a girl boss from 1988 <laughs> until like what like 2019 like anyways um, it's called the women in <laughs> business act and it was passed in 1988 it gave women the right to like open small business loans without Jesus a man Christ. co-signing that they were like married to or related to crazy stuff. So wow. basically like, because there is not been a huge precedent of like women owning businesses, like it doesn't, it's hard to like own a business. It's just like the, the history isn't there. Like the, the, I'm for example, the oldest gay bar in America that's owned by a gay man for gay men 
is called Cafe Lafitte in Exiles in New Orleans. Guess what year it opened? Guess what year it opened? And it's been running continuously, serving gay people openly since 1933. Wow. My guess was going to be the 20s. Wow. Yeah, 1933. And then the oldest like lesbian bar in America is that's still running because there are a lot of older lesbian bars, but they've closed, uh, is the Wild Rose. It's in Washington, D.C. I don't know if any of you guys have been. It's very cute. Uh, the Wild Rose, and it has been operating for 36 years, so it's 1985. Wow. So they have been around longer than the Women in Small Business Act, but that's, again, like a national kind of. That's wild. Yeah. So basically, there isn't a huge precedent for women owning businesses in general, mm. owning bars even less. And just having like the capital to sustain like a business is difficult. And lesbian bars tend to be like smaller, like divier spaces. You're not seeing like a huge mega lesbian dance club that's like owned and not like out thriving. As Uh, much as we may want one. I know. Wouldn't that be incredible? We have to go to London or something, right? Um, (laughs) So this whole like shitty economic setup for women when the um, 2008 recession hit, it was like also right around the time when like dating apps and like Tinder and mm-hmm. Bumble or whatever, like when the internet as a site to like meet other queer people, like also took off. So like there was a lesbian bars weren't the sole avenue anymore for women to like meet other queer women or like queer people in general. And then also like trans rights kicked off. Thank God. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but this whole like divide between TERFs, which are usually older lesbians, mm-hmm. right? Older mm-hmm. people who use the label lesbian are and have subscribed to like the political identity side of being lesbian mm-hmm. are also the people with the capital and the means exactly. to open these small businesses and get, keep them running. So this like trifecta of the internet inflation and identity kind of like was the nail in the coffin for Damn. lesbian spaces. Oh. It's funny because I feel like part of what I'm hearing is that like bars for gay men, which can be very exclusive towards like gender non-conforming identities, have been able to stay open. But then like queer women and people that go to lesbian bars are more worried about inclusive spaces. So when the spaces are like trans people can't hear, lesbians are like, well, no, thank you. I don't want to go there then. Which is kind of like, I mean, it's very sad, but it's also interesting that that's like, go our community. <laughs> like, not supporting trans exclusive <laughs> spaces. I yeah. love that for us. Yeah. And I think that like um, lesbianism compared to like a gay male identity, what has like historically been more political. I think that like, mm-hmm. there's, right. who is it? Zoe, we're both in a gender women's studies program. Wasn't somebody like lesbian is a political identity? Isn't that like a famous queer theorist phrase? I don't know. And there's specifically like- thinking because there's several um, like there was a lot of radical feminism in the 70s that was like very women yeah. loving women and like um, women only loving women as like a radical act. Yeah. Or like I I, I can't remember. Who I don't is, know who I specifically you're thinking of. I don't, we had to read them in, in the literal worst queer fucking theory course I've ever taken. This is a disclaimer. Please don't edit this out of the pad. Do not take a queer theory course at a Catholic university. You guys. It's like, just absolutely ass. It was so I ass. was going to ask about this because, okay, so the professor who taught the class that Ariel did this research in, I took one class, not one class, one class session with this professor he misgendered the same student three times. A student he already knew, nonetheless. Oh, my God. Um, three times within that class session. I dropped the class. But I was curious, and this is just kind of... I was wondering his reaction to that you did this research in his class. Because he, he is openly told not me right. not to do it. He was like, okay, that makes don't sense. do this topic. You're not going to have enough... You're not... There's. He said, lesbians are invisible. But it's this is, like, so hard to study. Because, oh, my like, God. Yeah, and I was like, you don't know... You're not looking for them, bitch. Like, that's why they're <laughs> invisible to you. Like, they're not invisible. You're not looking. There's, like, a difference. Anyways, I could go on and on about how much I fucking hate... Heck, Dr. Garcia, you can say Doc. Enemy of the pod. Doc him. No, yeah. I feel like sorry. There was something else you were going to say about him. I think. Oh, I was going to say. Well, it was just in, about gay men in general. Um, so they like there have been a few documentaries that have popped up, and I say documentaries very loosely because they are twenty minute 
self-funded things like the lesbian bar project and like maybe some vice documentaries and things Mm. that they've been you know trying to like investigate this question like where are all like the queer women's spaces like why are there queer men's spaces and not queer women's spaces and so they did like um i think it was vice did a poll and they surveyed gay men in new york city and they were like why are there no lesbian bars? Like, mm. why are there only two lesbian bars in New York? Like, why do you think that is? And gay men gave answers that were like, lesbians are more responsible than gay men, or <laughs> they just don't want to go out to bars. So that's why bars don't exist. Oh no! And they also surveyed lesbian bar owners and they said, <laughs> why don't lesbian bars exist anymore? And all of them unanimously said because of inflation, because mm. it's just like a economically... That reminds me of when it's like, oh, millennials are like not buying houses because they just don't feel like it. And then you ask millennials and they're like, I'm poor. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Well, I wanted to ask, I guess, if you came, if you've come across any like regional differences in your work. I don't know if you're focusing just on Chicago, but um, since we were talking about the idea of a road trip to all of these bars, I wanted to say that I did my partner and I did a cross country road trip a while ago and we did visit like every lesbian bar that we were in a city that had one. Um, So like every time we were in a city that had a lesbian bar, we went to it and there really are not that many. I think I found a list that said there were like nine left in the country. Um, But the ones in New York and the Bay area I have been to when I lived in those places. But so this was kind of like other places. Um, And I think like initially I found it kind of surprising because a lot of the remaining lesbian bars are in the South. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of the ones we went to are in Houston, Nashville and Atlanta. Um, They all have amazing lesbian bars that were very fun. But then places like Portland or I think Philadelphia, like recently one of their last uh, lesbian bars closed. Mm -hmm. So there's not like there are obviously spaces for queer women in those cities, but they don't have like a lesbian owned bar that caters to queer women. Um, I guess as I was thinking about it more, I was also like, maybe that makes sense that like a place that might be harder to live in as a queer person, it would be like more important and mm-hmm. people would want to support that business. That's, that's interesting yeah. too. Cause the, um, the like gay neighborhood in Philly is also called the gayborhood. So similar to what you're we saying about boys in Chicago, like, these neighborhoods are very much are like telling you that they are for like these mm-hmm. cis gay men. Yeah. Sure. Right. And in, in the Bay area, one of the biggest lesbian bars, one of the oldest lesbian bars is in Oakland and not in like the queer part the of San Francisco. So yeah. it's kind of interesting how that, that works also. I was going to say like the, I, this was part of my research. I, um, the last lesbian bar in San Francisco was the Lexington club and it closed in 2015 um so the I think that these like major cities um have like the areas where a lesbian bar would be are much more expensive so there are a ton of like not a ton I'm saying like maybe there's like five lesbian bars in the south right there are and there's a lesbian bar in Milwaukee like right where there are there's two that have lasted in New York that are like going ish but I think that like one of the like I I think about um lipstick lounge what am I saying is it lipstick lounge did I say that lipstick lounge earlier was the one that I went to that was in Detroit yeah okay take that out because the one I went to in Detroit is called stilettos lipstick lounge is in Tennessee (laughs) (laughs) okay um actually um the first lesbian bar like my first queer bar experience was at stilettos in Detroit in South Downriver from Detroit um but anyways uh lipstick lounge is in Tennessee and it's like a big one and um but anyway, oh, we were talking about why are these like lesbian bars not in these like cities, right? It's because the gay neighborhoods in these cities are like super expensive. Like that's what it comes down to. Like the the San Francisco, like the Lexington Club. I think I have some information on this. Yeah. So the owner of the Lexington, the last owner of the Lexington Club in San Francisco, her name is Lila Thurkeeld. Thurkeeld. Um, and she said that her rent increase, the rent increase was like the nail in the coffin for her bar in the mission district in the 15 years that her that the lexington club was open the rent for the 1000 square foot space tripled in the in 15 years so she was like i just can't it's not sustainable like the business model isn't sustainable it's it's difficult right it's a small population that you're serving and you have a small it's a small business essentially right and it's hard because these like spaces are like rapidly gentrified 
like queer spaces, like gay neighborhoods, gay areas are like hotspots for gentrification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at least the ones that I'm familiar with, which are cities I've lived in, like Chicago and Philly, like the like gay queer neighborhood is, as you're saying, expensive. Like they're often very like adjacent to like the main downtown going out area, which are mm-hmm. always like the most expensive because those are attractive areas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is something, well, it is something that you've already um, mentioned somewhat, but I thought it was important to talk about how, like, as you're saying, lesbian spaces have historically included a much more expansive, and just lesbians in general, um, a much more expansive view of gender than the more, like, cis, gay, queer spaces that we've talked about. So I was wondering if you could talk more about the importance of queer spaces that are affirming for people across various queer and trans identities versus just being like, these are lesbian bars for women. These are gay bars for men. Yeah, I think about that all the time. I think like, um, because, you know, when we're talking about queer spaces, it always comes back to bars. It's like a gay bar. Like, that's what you like, you know what I mean? Well, at least for me, I'm not like, in a, in a, unfortunately not in a space where I'm like, I'm going to the queer park or like the queer, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, if you want to see other gay people, you're going to go to a gay bar. And like, historically that makes sense because bars were a space where people could like do illegal things and for a long time that was like gay shit like you could do your illegal activities in the safety of like a bar or like have that Mm -hmm. space that is like you know a a public private space that's a really good perspective on like why so much of like queer space is also tied up with alcohol mm-hmm. um especially when you think about like the prohibition era and mm-hmm. the influence that that time period had on like the evolution of just like places that serve alcohol in this country and like I don't know I'm just thinking of like also like the the book Stone Butch Blues and like how much of the important in you know how many of the important scenes in that that book took place for example in queer bars Mm -hmm. um and I hadn't thought about it that way as like bars already being a site of like illicit activity so that's yeah you're I'm a historian and like this is really (laughs) expanding my mind I don't to my credit I don't do 20th century history but my my historian mind is really being blown right now so really puts a new perspective on be gay do crime yeah <laughs> well actually oh my gosh you want to here's some want me to tie it into communism because like yes, we would love to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay so like the golden age of lesbian bars like right stone butch blues is like the 50s and 60s when you think of like a dyke right just like with yeah. her like leather dyke jacket looking for a femme like yeah the 50s and 60s and this is during the time when like it was like the second red scare people mm-hmm. were on the lookout for like communists and people who didn't like strictly strictly adhere to like heteronormative like 50s like family american family values Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and that was like drinking it was like dancing and Mm -hmm. being gay so these like gay and lesbian people were especially like targeted for like over policing and there was like a huge spike in like homophobic violence at you know during this period like during the red scare um, and it was kind of tied to this like anti-American, like to be gay was to not be American. It was to, and everybody was like strictly trying to be like super American, um, yeah. in this like day and age. So it, it like really solidified unanimity. Is that the word? I don't know. Um, like, uh, I'm trying to say yeah. like, like uh, the correlation. No, I'm saying like, um, <laughs> unification Mm. like the building of an under underground community building there we go I got it okay so I really solidified bars as a space for like underground community building Mm. and like very important like spaces for queer people to build a queer culture and I think that like I don't know I think it's really interesting can I ask you guys a question can I like oh my god of course yes so what do you think about what do you think is like about like lesbian nights. Like, I feel like there's this like ephemerality to like queer women where it's like, yeah. you don't get a bar, you get yeah. like, a day, like a time, I, like a set. I was gonna know? talk about that actually, cause it is interesting to me that even in New York, which mm-hmm. is like maybe the gayest city in the country, there's <laughs> still like a lot of nightlife for queer women and just like queer people who are not cis gay men 
is these like one-off and like yeah. a lot of them are really fun and great. I yeah. mean, there's actually one like Dave's lesbian bar, which is like a pop-up. Yeah. They're like fundraising to try to get a permanent space right now, but that's definitely like, it's like a roving event that mm-hmm. like, and there's another one hot rabbit. That's a similar thing mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. it will pop up at different bars, but doesn't have like a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. I think some of them are really great, especially if like, I guess like if the advertising is done well or like whatever, just like it has been made welcoming to queer women in a way where like they will show up to this space. But there are also a lot that I've been to where it's like, oh, this is just a gay bar and maybe they like, I don't know, play Tegan and Sarah or something. Like there's no yeah. actual queer people who are not men at this bar. Like, it what just do you feels like, King like, Princess? Okay. Right. <laughs> it feels very like performative sometimes, I think. Or like they just decide to make a ladies night, but then they don't actually do any work to make yeah. it a ladies night. I, I have like, yeah, it's, it's a really good question, first of all. Um, as somebody who's been to a lot of these kinds of events in New York, um, like Veli App is like another sort of organizing force. Um, and I've been to events that they've put on. And I find that like, I do think there's a difference between bars that are like, we're a gay bar and we have a standing like Wednesday lesbian night or whatever but like it's like um you know a couple like white cis men own this bar we're just doing it to try to bring in new clientele versus like events that are organized by people who are queer women queer femmes like people who aren't men basically and I think that like those kinds of events can be super community building um And another good thing is that, like, in the case of, like, Dave's that Jules brought up, like, my understanding is that Dave's is trying to get a permanent space in Queens, um, which for non-NYC heads is a place, a borough, where there are no lesbian bars. Um, And so trying to expand outside of Manhattan or, like, Ginger's and Park Slope, which recently reopened, um, which is in Brooklyn. Um, and so I think, you know, it can be a really, it's like, a, it's, a, it's an, it's an adaptive kind of thing, you know, it's, it's an, it's people, queer women and non-binary people adapting to an environment that is, you know, as has been laid out, like pretty hostile to creating permanent spaces. And so I think in the same way that a lot of adaptive strategies are great it's also like this is good but it's also kind of sad that it's necessary you know yeah that was I mean I agree with what both of y'all said it was also made me think of like Lex the app um when you were talking about um what's is it Veli yeah Um, but I I have not gone to any of them but I know that on Lex people do will be like I'm in this city like we should get like a group together and if people Mm -hmm. don't know Lex is a um, I call it horny Twitter for lesbians. It's for, um, it's like kind of a dating app. It's based off, um, personals that used to be in the paper. So there's no pictures. It's like, it can be linked to your Instagram if you want it to be. Most people do, but, um, or the majority of people, but it's just like, um, formatted like a list of like personals and you just kind of put like a headline and like a, a blurb. Um, so I describe it to people as just like a horny queer Twitter. Um, yeah. And I want to be on Lex. That sounds fucking incredible. <laughs> it's fun. Like it's some people are looking for dates, but people will also be like, I'm looking for a gay roommate. I'm looking to yeah. like, let's get like a group together and like go to the beach or whatever. Um, and so I think that's also a way that people um, just create these spaces like on a more like micro level um or like let's all go to this bar things like that um also lex is just very entertaining i <laughs> scrolling it yeah is i joy. love lex so much <laughs> I, I read it every day it's wonderful <laughs> and you um, can set it to like your location or like um anywhere like the u.s and then you just see all kinds of all kinds of shit lex sponsor this podcast thank you <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> but anyway, I was gonna make a joke at the beginning of this question where I was like, I, you know, there was like um, a lesbian night in Ann Arbor. I used to live in Ann Arbor, mm. in Michigan, um, at a bar that no longer exists. Rest in peace, Out Bar, but it was called Out Bar. 
-hmm. and they had like a lesbian night once a month and um people always joked that it was uh because it you know you have one lesbian bar a month people find their wives they get married and then they you know it gives you one more month for people to like turn 21 so they can go out to the bar and find them (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's so funny where's the lie i know it is really interesting just like thinking about the ways that um, different spaces are like affirming and open to different people. I was just going to share a story. So last week um, I uh, was, I saw on Instagram, Instagram's algorithm has really figured me out. There's this bar that's very close to my partner's apartment that had a Britney night, a Britney themed dance party. And I was like, okay, it's like two blocks from where he lives. I'm already going to be there. Obviously I want to go to this. Um, and I reached out to a couple of people who couldn't make it and then was like, oh my gosh, I should just talk to David, um, who is my partner's roommate. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, like they're non-binary, um, and this is important information for later in the story. So David and I went to this Britney, um, this Britney event and we went in and there was one person there and we were like, oh, this is terrifying and we will not be doing this. And, uh, we left and we're like, well, fuck, that was our whole plan for the afternoon or for the night. Like, what are we going to do? And I was on. I, for reasons that longtime listeners of our podcast will understand, perhaps, or just anybody who listens to Season of the Bitch, I was on a, what David referred to as a no men train that night. I was like, I <laughs> really am not interested in interacting with men. Um, That's and how I feel every night. Every yeah, day, it was just every like- morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was like a lot of stuff that 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 has been going on recently that has like really reactivated some old trauma stuff. And I was just like, I can't be around like groups of men tonight. So David was like, oh, do you want to like go to a gay bar? And I was like, yes, perfect. Let's go to Cubby Hole. And so we went to Cubby Hole. Cubby Hole is closed for renovations right now. And I had forgotten about that. So I was like, okay, well, there's this gay bar that's really close by. Like, I know no men are going to hit on me there. Like, let's just go to this place called Monster. It has a great dance floor. Like, it'll be fun. So Monster is this, like, there's a bar upstairs. It's got like a piano and shit. And then downstairs is like a dance club in the West Village in New York. And we went, and I'm trying to remember the name of the event they had going on on the dance floor, but it was like something that was heavily, like, semen referencing it was like squirt or splooge or like it was like that was the name of the event was like and and it just had on the front like the poster for it this like shirtless like hairless chested abbed man in like virtually no clothing and it was like all the hottest men in Manhattan like whatever and David and I like just took one look at each other and like David's pretty femme and we were just like this seems to violate the no men rule. Tonight. Like we are both just like, this does not feel like a space for us right now. So we left monster and went to Henry the Hudson, which is, as we've mentioned, like another like lesbian bar in Manhattan. And there it was like, it was like a Thursday night. Um, so it's not like, it wasn't like super busy, but it wasn't super empty, but it was just like a lot of like, women and non-binary people a lot of them were coupled up it was like clearly like date night for a lot of people there wasn't really any dancing but people were just like hanging out having drinks it was super chill there were like a couple I guess like a couple of people who might have been like guys but like they weren't bothering anybody which is the best thing that men can do is just not bother people (laughs) and truly like (laughs) it was just so nice and like um I was like it's it is interesting how much just like more welcoming of a space like the Henrietta Hudson felt like for both of us than this like hyper sort of like sexed up gay club space you know absolutely and I think that like I mentioned this in my research too but it's like um men are seen as like sexual beings and women are seen as like barriers to sexuality so it's like men are in control of and like you know are allowed to be sexual beings whereas like women and when we're thinking of like traditional heterosexist whatever are seen as like the keepers of sex or like the barrier Mm -hmm. to men having sex 
And so when we're looking at like queer spaces that like, you know, not to be like super fucking binary about it, but if it's like a man's space, that is like a space where you are completely allowed to be like as sexual as you want to be. There's mm-hmm. no barrier to sex. There's no like feminine presence that's like acting as this like non-sexual en- entity or whatever, you, however you want to say it. But like in a women's space or like a space for like feminine people, it's just the barrier, right? There's no <laughs> sex. It's like, that, you know, we got like lesbian bed death or whatever, or like, you know, you're going to out bar on that night to find your wife to sit at home after that, because that's what you do mm. when you're a woman, you're a wife who sits at home. You're not like <laughs> someone who needs to go to a gay bar and get like plowed in the dark or whatever. Bullshit. <laughs> like, I disagree. I think that's dumb. And I think that there should be spaces for women to have like anonymous sex hookups. I think that would be fun and no men allowed. <laughs> there you go. And it should be called like squirt or something, but in the other way. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Squirt yeah. parentheses feminine. Yeah. <laughs> squirt parentheses she, her. Like that's. <laughs> uh, that that will be uh, coming, coming to a, a city near you soon. <laughs> a touring event. Yeah. Every every first Wednesday. First Wednesday is squirt she her. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're close on time. Is there anything else that Ariel or anyone wants to add? I can um I can read you the last sentence of my paper because I'm very proud of it. And oh, Hector gave do. me no comments on my entire paper (laughs) okay thanks because he i guarantee you didn't fucking read it um but i said in my humble opinion spaces where queer women and femme people can be together build community raise political consciousness dance love and drink vodka red bulls should be protected at all costs hell yeah i love that wow this has been such a fun conversation um I mean, the first thing I want to say is give lesbian bars your money. Um, go to them if they're available to you. We at Season of the Bitch love a lesbian bar. Um, if you have leftover money after your night out at a lesbian bar, you can always throw it our way. Uh, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Join the Patreon and you get access to our Discord, which is, as we've established, a very queer space. A very queer um, space. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of yet another beautiful, affirming queer space? Um, you can also reach out to us on our Twitter, another queer space, our Instagram, a third queer space. Uh, Season of the B is our at at both of those. You can send us an email at our Gmail. Honestly, Gmail feels homophobic. Email feels homophobic in general. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything I'm basing this off of. It just it just it seems seems corporate mm, seems straight i don't, I don't like it <laughs> but if you like email you can email us at season of the b at gmail.com obviously wherever you're listening if you can rate us rate us highly if you can subscribe subscribe helps other people find us helps other people find our gay ass content and um i think that about covers it yeah right love, love you. you bye Bitch. Oh.